Hello there, this is Dr. Casey Bradley, and you're listening to the Real P3 Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the real pork producers around the world. I hope you enjoy. In this episode, we're going to be focusing on zinc oxide. We're going to have a panel of working nutritionists from around the world to discuss their perspectives from their regions. And before we get started, I would like to thank my friends at the Zimpro Corporation for making this episode possible. Welcome at this next episode of the Real P3 podcast, and I'm very happy to be the host for this episode. My name is Vincent Tabeek. I'm editor for Big Progress, and in this podcast, we shall explore the um, zinc oxide, which is being used in swine production, particularly uh, just after weaning. And in many places in the world, there is an attempt to try to reduce that as well. The key question is today to explore the issue in various countries all around the world and also to explore some alternatives that are available for swine producers. We have a full house today, so I'd like to introduce briefly who is um, who is with us. And perhaps you could uh, say your name and also explain a little bit what the situation is with regard to zinc oxide in, in your country. Of course, Casey Bradley is with us, Dr. Casey Bradley from the Sun Swine Group. I'll give her the word in a minute. We also have Colin Twomey here from Swinko in Ireland. We have Swine Nutrition from Canada, uh, JP at G-Series. Megan Edwards is with us, Independent Nutritionist at Integr- Integral Nutrition in Vietnam. And also Swine Nutritionist, Philip van der Brink, owner of NutriSign. Casey, I'll kick off with you. Hi, yes, I'm Casey Bradley, and I work primarily in the U.S. and a little bit in Canada in, in my previous life um, and career. But really, the status in the U.S. is we're using zinc oxide. Um, we're also looking at new alternatives through the water to can help control some of our hemolytic E. coli issues we're having. And we're looking at um, extending the use of higher levels of zinc. But there's also a push of looking at organic zinc sources throughout my career. As you know, I probably studied organic trace mineral sources quite extensively in sow lameness and longevity. But from the issue of pharmacological level zincs, we're still able to use it. And there's no transition out of it today in the U.S. market. We're kind of ahead of reality for the, for the U.S. perspective at the moment. Colin, if I if I move over to Ireland, what can you say? Well, introduce yourself and what can you say about the zinc oxide situation there? So Colin Toomey is my own name. I'm from the south of Ireland, from County Cork. And certainly in Ireland, this will pose a big challenge for producers. So we are a 200 sow herd, far to finish, which is a bit smaller than the typical size of a, of a farm in Ireland. But certainly we all share the same far to finish enterprise I think for the past 15 to 20 years, zinc and antibiotics has really been the foundation of a lot of the, I suppose, the solutions to post-weaning diarrhea. So I think it certainly provides a big challenge for our industry where we are at the minute. I think probably 10 to 15% of producers so far have probably managed to eliminate zinc oxide, but certainly the vast majority of the remainder are still relying on it at least 14 days post-weaning, if not probably into stage two and, and even grower diets. There has been some work done, particularly, I think, over the past maybe 12 months as the ban has come closer and closer that we are looking for definitely different alternatives. I think a lot of that at the minute in Ireland focuses on reducing the protein level in diets. Certainly compared to continental Europe, we have very high spec diets, maybe 19 and a half, 20, 21% even diets post-weaning. 
So a lot of the focus is on reducing that level of protein first and foremost, and also following on from that, uh, looking at not only higher fiber diets, but higher quality diets, particularly for, for the different stages, looking at those raw materials and making sure they're correctly matched to that pig's needs and that pig welfare and the wants of those pigs. So I think that's where we are at the minute in Ireland. Completely different situation than in the United States then. JP, if I go to you, I know in Canada, there is also talks to reduce the use of zinc oxide. Could you briefly introduce yourself and explain the situation there? Yeah, so uh, JP, I'm JP Martineau from, uh, from Canada. We, uh, we do production. We, we finish uh, roughly uh, 300,000 pigs our, ourselves, but we're a consulting company as well. So we uh, overall uh, oversee maybe a third of uh, the production here in, in Canada on the nutrition side. And so, uh, yeah, no, CFIA, which is the uh, control agency here in Canada for, for this kind of uh, decision on the zinc uh, levels, the talks are quite uh, serious right now. And we're in the final stage of uh, finalizing uh, table four, uh, they, they call it here, where they would bring down the zinc oxide content of the ration to, they're talking about 300 uh, ppms or 250, it's not quite sure. And so it, it's coming uh, and we knew it was coming. We're thinking now it's going to be in a year or two from, from now, but some talks are saying that we'll have maybe uh, three to four years to um, actually put it in effect. So they'll give us a more, uh, more time to actually implement. Our research has been focused on this, this aspects for several years now, and we feel ready. We're at the last trials, like I was looking at one this morning, we barely see any effect of uh, taking out the zinc oxide anymore based on our recent research. As I just mentioned, it's been five trials now where we didn't see any effect when we uh, took out zinc oxide. And so, you know, s similar to uh, Colin information there that he gave just before, like, uh, I think it's important uh, to work, you know, on the fiber type, the protein content, you know, and we've even been putting, you know, algaes and, uh, you know, yeast uh, derived products. And so, yeah, no, it's uh, with all that said, uh, we're getting there. And so we, uh, we're ready. And I think it's going to be good, you know, for uh, antibiotic resistance and all. And so I agree that it's something we need to do, but I don't think everybody's going to be ready, but uh, I'm glad we did the research and uh, we feel comfortable now. Thank you for that introduction, JP. Yeah, I find it a very interesting situation to see what the difference is between Canada and the United States. I'll come back to that in a little bit. I think I'll move over to Megan now. Could you give a brief introduction and explain the situation in Vietnam? Sure, no worries. Um, my name is Megan um, and I'm an independent swine consultant. I'm currently living in Vietnam. I also work quite a lot in uh, China and by birth I'm Australian, so I have some experience also from Australia. And in China, the, the zinc level is uh, regulated. They're allowed, I think, if, if I'm correct, it's 2.2 kilos of zinc oxide for the first uh, until 15 kilos, and then it's uh, 250 ppm thereafter. And this is quite well regulated, and I think that the, the Chinese market is well adapted because it's been for several years now. Here in Vietnam, we have a very similar regulation, but there is no policing of the regulation and the way that the producers here currently get around it is that they register a piglet feed, but then they promote it in the market as a grower feed, for example. So the label says one thing and the farmers do another. And in a highly fragmented market, it is quite complicated to police those types of regulations. And then in Australia, there is also a regulation that is not policed, but um, I would say that the popularity of zinc oxide declined 
about seven or eight years ago, and the majority of the market has already moved away from the use of zinc oxide, even though it's not policed. So I would say that they are in a similar situation to, to Canada, that if the policing did come into play, they would be ready. But I think a lot of the success of that is related to the uh, use of spray-dried porcine plasma. From my personal experience, my first time that I forgot to put zinc in, it was my best chance to, to discover that um, we can rear pigs without zinc and that it can be done. And so for six months, I left the zinc out. And once I discovered it, I was quite surprised. But yeah, in an, another interesting market in my region is Japan, and it, it banned zinc um, over 30 years ago. So it's another market that gives us confidence that there is a bright future for low zinc diets. Yeah, the strategies that are already mentioned. So of course, uh, lowering crude protein, choosing better quality proteins, manipulating the balance between inert and fermentable fiber um, are some of the strategies that I use, particularly here in Asia, where the risk of diarrhea is very significant. Those are interesting perspectives and good to hear how things are being done in the, in the Asian countries. Thanks for that. I'll come back to that later as well. Philip, could you give a brief introduction of yourself and how is the situation in the Netherlands? My name is uh, Philip van der Brink. I'm uh, owner at uh, NutriShine. Uh, I'm a nutritionist uh, for pigs uh, for, for a long time. I would like to do practical nutrition, so really visiting farms and, and doing the nutrition uh, for farmers on farm. In the Netherlands, I'm uh, 55 years old and I don't even know that we were using zinc oxide in, in piglet feeds. So, so uh, we are not using zinc oxide for uh, a long, long time. And the reason for that is that we have a lot of animals in the Netherlands and we are a small country. So our land would be polluted with zinc if we would use high levels of zinc oxide. This decision is made a uh, long, long time ago. Yeah, actually, we are used to work without zinc oxide with all our pigs and piglets. So, so yeah, a lot of practical experience on that side. But we also travel to many other European countries, and we also know that uh, that we are the ex exception in the EU, actually, to work without zinc oxide. So, yeah, that is uh, the current situation. If you look at our diets that we use for, for piglets in the Netherlands, then we would work with crazy low protein levels compared to all the other uh, countries immediately after weaning. Our philosophy is much more to keep pigs healthy in the first uh, 10 days after weaning, develop the gastrointestinal tract, keep the pigs healthy. And as soon as that uh, is, is done, actually, we step more and more on the gas. So our first diet is often the lowest protein diet, and then we step up in protein and in amino acids. And actually, I think most other countries in the world are stepping down on protein levels and amino acid levels. So quality of protein in the first diet is really important. Acidifiers is, is really important. So we use a lot of acidifiers to acidify the stomach in the first couple of weeks after weaning. And we also use uh, a cocktail of, of acidifiers, actually, with also the antibacterial uh, acids in. And uh, fibers, as already mentioned a couple of times, is, is really important uh, to make this story successful. So we use a lot of fibers in, in our diet. And then indeed, inert fibers are more important than, than the fermentable fibers, which was already mentioned. Mm -hmm. So that is a bit on our, our solution. 
I see, I see. Well, thanks for all for, for introducing yourself and also introducing the, the situation in your respective countries. I would like to move into the to solutions in various countries a little bit later on as well. But one thing I'm curious to know is that most of the areas we've just discussed, there are changes going on. Um, the GP, for instance, uh, in Canada, it's it's been pushed forward relatively recently. Do you feel there is a lot of debate in the swine industry about whether or not this should happen or do, is everybody convinced that this is a step they had to do? It's not pushed forward yet, right? It's it's not official. No. It's still no. under review and it's still um, where we can give the input to the uh, CFIA. They're Easily, still yeah. taking our input, but there is some debate, but I think most people understand that we need to go there. And I don't think many nutritionists will will give an input where they, they want to keep the statue quo. Cool. I think everybody agrees that we need to move forward with lower uh, inclusion. That's how I feel about it. But just so you guys know, here we're weaning at 21 days. And so that's maybe why some people are, are more afraid than others, because it, it is quite different to do a, a non-zinc or barely any zinc for 21 days piglet versus 28, let's say. It's uh, quite different. Megan, you, you mentioned that uh, Australia um, tried to move away from zinc oxide about eight years ago. What kind of debates happened at that time? I suppose that now everybody's moved on, but what, what did you hear at that time? Um, I think that part of the um, motivation was related to antibiotic co-resistance was part of the story, but also we had some producers that wished to make the best value of their manure. So they needed mm-hmm. to have a low mineral content in their manure as well mm-hmm. so that they could get the premium price for it. So there were, yeah, several um, motivators in the market. But I also think that there's just a general willingness. I agree with JP that weaning age has a big difference. So it's very rare in Australia to see a 21-day-old weaner. Mm-hmm. So perhaps we also don't have the litter sizes that they have um, in Northern Europe. So we have a very robust piglet. So perhaps the, the hurdle wasn't that big and we were mm-hmm. willing to, to take a risk. Colin, how, how is that in, in Ireland? Do you feel that there is a lot of hesitation or anxiety towards the new legislation or do you feel like everybody's willing to take up the new challenge? Yeah, certainly on the legislation side of things, Vincent, it's uh, the decision was made in 2017 by the European Medicines Agency. The commission voted it in and that's it. So it is coming in and... Whether our fellows want to accept it or not, it's it's a reality now for us in the next 240 days. I think it's it's actually ban is coming in. So it's coming from um, two and a half thousand parts per million down to 150 parts per million, uh, which mm-hmm. will be the, the new legal limit in, in the European Union from June 2022. I think most producers do realize that this in line with the antibiotic ban in the start of next year um, is a, is a necessary step. And that people are now buying into it, especially when you consider the rising threat of antimicrobial resistance and the links that they have found with the growth of these types of bacteria in the gastrointestinal tract of the pig that are associated with uh, elevated uses of zinc oxide. So I think that, and from a holistic point of view, that with the removal of zinc, it is indeed an opportunity to, number one, reduce the cost because you're taking out this additive, but also you're improving other areas of performance and, and growth of hopefully lifetime performance at a peak. So I think fellas in producers in Ireland certainly are, are coming around to that. Like kind of this gradually, there is an understanding for why this step is actually necessary. It's not just another regulation that's pushed onto them. But they kind of start understanding that. 
Casey, that, that brings me to you because we've been talking about well antibiotic resistance issue and uh, pressure on the environment and and also uh, well uh, trying to well get a better better price for your manure. I think I've I've heard some some um, aren't these issues important in the United States at all? Well, I would agree, and this is a tough line to cross in the U.S. So since we are a heavily based corn country, mm-hmm. most producers who raise corn have to put extra zinc on their fields as part of their fertilizer. Mm-hmm. So that zinc value is there in the manure for us. And I've even in my career had people ask me not to put phytase in the diet because they're a nitrogen-based state on their nutrient management plans and need the phosphorus for their crops versus in, in different areas. So there's always that debate based on the, the state le- legislation and requirements and, and nutrient management and crop rotations there. But when I said that this is what we're doing, it doesn't mean that I agree with it. Most people will know mm-hmm. how to advocate and, and have done research on replacing zinc oxide because of the need for antimicrobial resistance. But my question is, since we've used it so long, has it become become our crutch? And is this why we're having maybe more challenges with E. coli than we used to have and things like that and other enteric issues? So mm-hmm. that questions to me, you know, in that regard, do we need to look um, past that? And then, you know, if we look at when we have McDonald's saying they're going to be carbon neutral by 2050, for instance, and we're having a lot of these retailers looking at that and when we think about mining operations and pulling that zinc out of a mine to feed our pigs, that doesn't help our carbon neutrality there at all. It may fill in the complete food cycle about growing the corn for the pigs and things and being a value there on the fields. But when we look at the pig production itself and looking at where you know our carbon footprint is, mining is a big part of that. So in my mind, that's where the U.S. producer needs to step up and say these trace minerals that we are mining all over the world is going to negatively impact that carbon neutrality that we're after. And we talk about that carbon neutral pig. And so those are why some of the things that I think we need to remove zinc is from the mining issues and related to carbon footprint. And then also the antimicrobial resistant issues and mm-hmm. I know it's quite possible even with a 21-day-old wean pig to remove zinc oxide, but I also know it can be a complete disaster. So it's uh, just dependent on the health status and, you know, the U.S. producer to really move away from zinc oxide needs to get their health in check. And we, we are not effectively doing that between PERS and PED with continuous rebreaks. Mm-hmm. And until we can get that under control it's going to be hard to look at some of these other alternatives or or consider that option, even though it could be part of the reasons why we still have some of these new challenges that we're facing. But you you mentioned that, well, for corn production, it could actually be beneficial to maintain the zinc, high levels of zinc in the the swine feed. Yes, corn Mm. takes up a lot of zinc. So, Yeah. Is that an issue in any of the other countries as well, or doesn't that count at all? JP, you're closest to the United States. What what would you say? I agree that with Casey, like we're in the same situation where if we're not putting it in the feed, they're going to have to add it in their field a different way, like uh, with the directly zinc uh, from the mines, you know? So, you know, in some ways we, it's even better to to put it in a pig and, 
some say it's even more available once it goes through the animal and then it's a more, more available source for, for the plant afterward. But I do understand that we want to go away from that, uh, considering the uh, antibiotic resistance there. So, so we'll have to put it in the field a, a different way. We're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor, the Zimpro Corporation. Pig producers, site managers, veterinarians, and nutritionists all have a list of daily tasks and challenge that never stops growing. Now they are also faced with managing the daunting shifts in regulation around usage of zinc oxide that will impact the health of their customers, herds, and businesses. They need a partner that can help them find answers, and Zimpro knows it's not a one-size-fits-all solution. It takes a strategic approach to help your swine herds achieve better health and immunity. Visit Zimpro.com and click on our Let's Connect tab. You'll find Zimpro experts available worldwide that you can connect with to discuss organic trace mineral nutrition and management solutions that are right for your customers, including products Avela Zinc, a zinc amino acid complex, and ProPath LQ Zinc the only water-soluble zinc product available in the U.S. market. So now back to our episode. Megan, I would like to ask you, you mentioned that in um, in China and as well as in Vietnam, there is, a, well, the producers can use it, can use zinc oxide for a certain while, and then the levels have to drop down. Am I right in assuming that, well, the, for the initial weeks of weaning, there is quite a high usage of zinc oxide in? Yes, so roughly for two to three weeks after weaning, mm-hmm. they're using around 2.2 kilos. So that, that is a reduction on from where they were. They were using between three and four kilos um, mm-hmm. until two years ago. And so, the, yeah, they've had to reduce it down now to 2.2 um, and, of course, adjust other factors in the diet as well to maintain performance. But, yeah, as as I think Colin mentioned, that even in, in China, I have seen instances where they were using uh, zinc in growing diets before that regulation came into play and and that I had, I don't see anymore. I see I see uh, do you expect any any further uh, a reduction in the years to come? Yes, it, it would seem highly likely the Chinese are, do seem to watch very closely what goes on in Europe um, and they do have a, a strong determination to improve their environmental status. They have successfully banned in feed antibiotics so yeah perhaps they'll now go back and revisit other minerals they they do have quite strict regulations on on other minerals relative to Europe so they have lower restrictions for example on copper and some other minerals as well so yes it may be that they revisit the the piglet scenario but it may not be in the time of ASF very it would be very difficult i think to convince the industry at the minute when piglets are so valuable that makes sense i mean uh, they cannot uh, tackle all the challenges at the same time yeah. Philip, you already mentioned um, well how the Dutch are dealing with producing pigs without the use of zinc oxide and have done for as long as you remember. What, in your perspective, is the key ingredient or the, the key approach to, to make sure that you don't need zinc oxide and keeping in mind that, well, the silver bullet doesn't exist, but what can you say about that? Yeah, to my opinion, actually, cooperation is, is the most important solution. And cooperation, actually, I mean uh, between the farmer, management, the nutritionist, feed and feeding, and the vet, 
actually the health status of the farm. And on that table, with the three of them, actually they need to find improvements all in their own area where they have, of specialism to, to really make it happen. Yeah, health status of a farm um, is, is really important to, to improve, actually, to make life easy on the management side. And the manager actually has to decide if they still want to wean on 21 days or that they rather go to 28 days to make their own life easy. That's a management decision. And I think on nutrition side, indeed, there is no silver bullet, but there is a handful of tools that, that I really have to work in the right direction. And I can bring my part to the table. But alone, it will be crazy difficult to solve this puzzle. So I think cooperation with those three people is, is really the key answer. Well, making sure that you kind of are also willing to put your cards on the table, perhaps be frank and open about lessons learned or maybe failures in the past because that can help you make the right decision now. From a nutrition point of view, I, I can say that, that the key issues, in my opinion, is, is protein level. Mm -hmm. Then actually really the protein quality and soya for example, which is used on high levels nowadays in diets for just weaned piglet, is not a right ingredient for just weaned piglets. Mm -hmm. It's cheap, but it's actually not the right ingredient for, for just weaned piglet. You need a much higher digestibility protein source in, in, in the first stage after, after weaning. Then I think really acidifiers are, are really important to, to find part of the solution. And acidifiers are not going hand in hand with zinc oxide. We know actually that when you use high zinc oxide levels, that yeah, to use acidifiers is just impossible because piglets are not going to eat the feed anymore. So only when you take out the zinc oxide, then you create space for, for acidifiers. And it's a mix of acidifiers. Then phytogenics, I believe that are important to also help and promote actually the mode of action of the acidifiers. And the fibers are really important. And especially the inert fibers to, to really develop a healthy gut and the positive microbiota development in the gastrointestinal tract. I think that is... Uh, yeah, in short, actually, without going into details, uh, the, the handful of solutions that, that the nutritionist can bring to the table. Yeah, that's a no-brainer, I suppose. But if you had to choose between 28 and 21 days of weaning, and if you wanted to reduce the dependence on zinc oxide? Yeah, from, from a health point of view, for sure, it's 28. From an economical point of view, uh, I, I would really... Uh, would, would say, okay, maybe it's something in between, uh, so it's like 25, 26. Yeah, piglets weaned be before 25 days are, are absolutely more difficult to really wean in a successful way, in an easy way. Mm. Colin, if I turn to you, um, what have your, your experiences been so far and which strategies are you thinking of to overcome the, uh, to get rid of the zinc oxide? Yeah, certainly we have seen some steps taken by most farms in Ireland to at least try and reduce the amount of zinc that they're using, if, if not totally eliminate it just yet. Some of those several steps have been mentioned already and are definitely playing a key part in Ireland as well, such as increased weaning age. Um, we've seen that increase from probably 
that's standard 21 days of age up to about probably an average of 26, 27 days of age at the minute. Certainly some farms are even practicing 35, so five weeks of weaning. However, Philip just mentioned there the economical impacts of that then. You're going to reduce your number of pigs per sow per year. And also we do see a bit of a rise in mortality in sows as well when we when we do push that out to five, six weeks weaning, certainly. So it is very hard to change one management factor in pig farming without affecting something else somewhere down along the line. You can look at it from two points of view. You can look at it post weaning. What can you do there from a nutrition and a management point of view? But certainly, I think if you look at to give the pig the best possible start in life, you actually go back to the beginning and you're talking about proper sow management and proper sow nutrition. I think if you look at it, probably half or about two thirds of the start that a piglet gets will come from the sow. So what can you do in terms of that to actually give the piglet the best possible start in life? Because a piglet will not get over a bad start. Um, I think that's that's one thing that every pig farmer will tell you. And uh, it's certainly a lot more easy and a lot more enjoyable to farm if, you're, if your piglets are going well from the beginning. So in terms of that, I think probably trying to reduce the exposure of piglets to the level of bacteria that a sow can expose them to through their feces, such as E. coli, Clostridia, perfringens, these types of bacteria. So I think really trying to get the correct nutrition into the sow is is something that's getting a lot more focus in Ireland at the minute as well. For example, uh, if you look at fermentable fibers, so if you're getting uh, positive bacteria in the sow's small intestine, uh, these bifidobacteria, lactic acid producing bacteria, these will all help to reduce the pH, which will reduce the exposure of E. coli, which the sows will then excrete. You're also trying to, I suppose, ensure that there's less undigested protein passing through. So again, that's going back to the levels of protein that we're looking at. That's really reducing in Ireland at the minute as well. I think ultimately it will be a case of farmers. We have a, a, a guy who works on the technical side with us at Swinco as well, where I do a bit of work. He says producing pigs with new glasses on. So essentially you have to be able to look at your piglets in a new light. You're not trying to push them on, as Philip said, as hard as possible post weaning. You are trying to make sure that they do have a well-developed gut, um, a well-developed, uh, healthy inside of them. This will be key, I think, going forward, not to push them too hard in the two weeks post-weaning, but then you will not see a reduction in hopefully wean-to-sale performance either following on from that. Okay, okay. That's a different approach. Are you saying, okay, well, maybe you're not going for immediately completely getting rid of it, but trying to see how you can reduce things? And you have a couple of nice uh, nice ideas, like uh, proper sound management there. I'm going to your neighbor, uh, at least on my screen, here is uh, JP. What would be your main approach now in order to reduce the dependence on zinc oxide? Well, on practical side, um, like for us, because we're weaning at 21 days, we want to make sure that the piglets got exposed to that nursery feed already in the farin crate. Like it won't necessarily show on the wean weight, obviously. But uh, it sure does a big difference when they come in nursery, they, they go on feed faster. And so the whole idea there is to make sure that the, so that the piglet don't scour, they need to go on feed fast. And so that's, that's one way that we've been taken, you know, on the water quality side, we, we want to clean up the, the feed line, the, the, the water lines, you know, at least once a year, make sure we, we get that all, all, all out the biofilm and all. And then we can uh, run some uh, water acidifier in there, you know, organic and uh, inorganic blend usually do, do the trick and we bring it down to, to four. Because otherwise back to the, to the ration, just to add to, uh, to what Philip was talking about, the, the acidifier and everything, the acidifiers, I totally agree with that, with that strategy. And uh, 
like zinc oxide is the total opposite of uh, for for the op uh, the acid binding capacity, and so. But in addition to uh, zinc oxide, we've also worked on uh, like taking out uh, limestone uh, completely in the the first ration there to really help the uh, acid binding capacity. It did a big difference for us. We don't need as much uh, acidifiers there, and the piglet can go without the limestone for that couple days. There, no effect on the the bone quality, and so those are some of the strategies we've been taking because, uh, you know, on the probiotic side, we have not, not had any success and enzymes are very rarely also. And so uh, only, only the phytase, obviously, but, you know, other enzymes, we, we saw no effect. And so, you know, so that's why we've been focusing more on the, um, you know, acid binding capacity, uh, acids and everything like that. Okay. Thank you very much. I'm hopping over to the other side of the world, Megan. What would be your uh, number one approach in this, in this or, or advice to producers? My strategy is always to accept that the diet is the cause of the diarrhea and the uh, zinc is the cover-up strategy. So if I'm going to take away the zinc, I have to accept responsibility for the result. So I always keep that in mind so I consider all the different parameters, what is the health status, the weaning age, etc. I'm more focused on protein quality than necessarily having low protein. I have seen very good performance from pigs on high protein diets, as long as it's very high quality protein. Um, and sow's milk does contain 26% protein, so on a dry matter basis. So it's not that piglets can't digest high levels of protein. But yeah, one of my main focuses at the minute is to make sure that in the first diet, particularly, that I have more inert fiber than fermentable fiber. And that's because the inert fiber is so important for developing the capacity of the gut. And we need the piglet stomach to become bigger as quickly as possible so that the, the feed actually stays in there longer, goes to the acids and the enzymes for longer before it uh, moves on to the small intestine. So I actually think that maybe our strategy for creep feeds really needs to change and we need to actually use high fiber creep feeds, not to improve weaning weight at all, but to develop the gastrointestinal tract. And yeah, I, I do use a lot of fiber, particularly in China, and it works very well. And another uh, tool that we've been using very successfully for a good eight years or so is potentiated zinc oxide. So we can use a very low dose of zinc, but it has a high surface area. So it's therefore able to deliver similar benefits, not quite as good as zinc oxide, but very useful benefits to the pig from having this higher surface area. But I also agree with Colin that um, sour nutrition is super important and particularly colostrum quality. So if we can make sure that the piglets get a full dose of uh, colostrum, it's the best chance for us to improve weaning weights. And we know that having a good weaning weight is very important for how the pigs will cope and perform post-weaning. Thank you, Megan. I'm going to Casey once more. I think you have your, um, your, your number one strategy at mind as well. And I think at the end, you also have a question for the panel as well. Well, I think everybody touched on a few good points and I'm always going to push. Nobody's looking at the sow and very rarely do we do follow through research if we do sow nutrition research and, you know, looking at immunology as being a, a heavy background and understanding that passive immunity role. Colin touched on that a little bit on, you know, controlling the the pH and E. coli issues and other enteric challenges. But the biggest thing I've looked at is acid-base balance and with or without zinc oxide, you know, if getting your acid base balance and understanding that properly in those early wean diets is really 
what's been the most successful strategy. But it's also no, you know, Philip made the point not to use soybean meal, but I think there's been a lot of research by Dean Boyne and Laura Greiner and, and others looking back at that and having the value of soybean meal in our diets seems to have been important, especially in diseased animals. So I've never been one to say that, um, you know, and I have other nutritionists that we can run 35% soybean meal in our first diets, but most of my success at looking at alternatives and, and diet costs has been around acidification and then high levels of phytase, of course. And then, you know, I think my question is, I look in my career and, you know, nursery diets, starter diets started out at $800,000 a ton. And I've seen some as lower than 500. Do you think this transition of cheapening our diets and not focusing on the sow in the U.S. is causing these other problems, regardless of zinc oxide? That's kind of my question for the panel here. And is there some things that we're doing wrong to keep our costs down? Philip, let me turn to you first. What would you make of that question? Do you, would, you, would you think there is a relationship? If you look at uh, the costs and, and uh, the qualities of, of the, the diets that, that we would need, actually, then, then uh, I believe that those diets are going to be more expensive based on the higher quality protein sources that you need. And with higher quality protein sources, eh, non-soya, as I mentioned, or less soya at least, is, is actually also looking into soya protein concentrates, which, which is for sure also a higher quality protein source, still based on soya, but with really low ANFs. So I think the anti-nutritional factors in, in those first diets are, are a key issue. All those additives actually are more expensive, like the acids that we discussed in the phytogenics uh, are more expensive than the zinc oxide. So actually, that's also adding costs. But on the other hand, as I mentioned, it's lower protein diets. And uh, lower protein diets will again save a bit of money. So personally, I believe that, that in the first three, four, five days after weaning, the sow milk is gone and that you really need to compensate for that in the quality of the diet. So the first three, four, five days, I think you have a real investment in extra costs in, in the diet. But after that, I, I think though those diets don't need to be uh, more expensive than, than the current uh, diet. So in, yes, an investment. Yes, an investment also in preparation of the piglets before weaning. So really to get a weanable pig. And part of that is creep feed intake before weaning to get a weanable pig. And from a cost point of view, investment in the first three, four, five days after weaning. After that, not really necessary anymore. I was just going to follow up. One of the things that we did because of PED, two things, is to stop the creep feed. And everybody yes. measured the value of creep feed in the farrowing crate. And I think Megan made the point it's afterwards. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's not about hey, what GP also mentioned. If you would measure the weaning weight and the benefits of creep feed, too, it's hard to measure an, uh, an effect. And maybe those piglets are 0.2, 0.3 kilo heavier, but, but not one kilo heavier. And that is what farmers sometimes expect eh, that your piglets are suddenly one kilo heavier because you do creep feed intake. Yeah, sorry, that's not the case, but it's not about the weaning weight. It's actually about how the piglets are continuing after weaning. And then 
you really need a good creep feed intake to, to learn the piglet something with 100 gram per piglet, also nothing learned. Actually, you need a minimum amount of creep feed intake before a piglet has learned something. Mm-hmm. Does anybody else have anything to answer to, to add to that for as things are things that went wrong, for instance? Megan? I think one um, challenge that the US faces is that they have quite a, a narrow selection of raw materials compared to um, Canada, Europe, and even here in Asia. And I think that um, is a bit challenging because they don't have access to uh, good quality fiber sources. Um, and the other reality is that uh, the US market is very much an export market. So it is very vulnerable to uh, global trade. And, and that means that the profit margins aren't always very large uh, and are often negative. So it also creates a lot of economic stress that maybe in other parts of the world we don't have. And then the other part of the, the story is that we talked about the cost of creep feed and it, there's good evidence to show that higher quality premium creep feeds do deliver benefits to the medium and small piglets and there's no advantage for the, the heavier piglet. But it is the medium and small piglets, particularly the small piglets, that decide whether the farmer goes on holiday or not. The, the big pigs pay the bills and the little pigs decide whether the farmer will have a holiday this year or not. So I think they need to think carefully about whether or not it's uh, economically wise to withhold that high-quality nutrition from those smaller piglets. And that brings up another point is we have to have the labor who could even do it. So this is another challenge we have today. I think that addressed pretty much the questions that I that I had. Unless there is anybody who wishes to have a famous last words, I'll take my take them myself. Because I think what we've heard here so far is that one thing that strikes me from what everybody says is that trying to get rid of zinc oxide requires a total change of your system. You're trying to, to rethink, as Colin uh, um, rightly said, if you want to try to focus on something else, it has an impact on other parts of your production again. So I think taking out the zinc oxide, just like taking out the antibiotics, led to um, yeah, that kind of rethinking and yeah, that perhaps... It was used as a cover-up for problems that were there. So I've heard uh, Philip say, for instance, that uh, there's more need for cooperation to make sure that you you can, for instance, try to find higher protein sources for the piglets. Uh, The proper sow management, as Colin uh, uh, pointed to, I think is also an issue that you might manage to already make sure that the piglets have a fantastic start with the sows. Um, Attention for the nursery feed, as uh, as JP said. Uh, and Megan also focused on um, well, having quality protein, for instance, and that you need to have a good diet because that could be the cause of the diarrhea as well. And Casey, what you just did is what opening up and asking what things, whether or thin or not things were wrong. I think that is the start of improvement because if you don't, well, don't ask questions and continue to do what you always did, and you'll never get any further. I think the whole um, purpose of the real P three. There you go. So that uh, I think we we managed to we managed to give a good overview for that. I would like to thank my panel for uh, for being with us today to answer all these questions to discuss the well, the different phases we're all going through, and I hope that the listeners have had some uh, pretty good advice how to well how to tackle their current or perhaps future challenges. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for being present, and uh, see you and li- you hear from us at the next podcast. Thank you, Vincent. Thanks, Vincent. Thanks, Thanks, guys.
Before we go, I hope you learned something. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We're trying to bring you a variety of topics that address the issues and problems we face in our swine herds as producers, as nutritionists, as managers. But also, this would not be possible without the support of our sponsors, the Zimpro Corporation. And if you'd like to sponsor our episode personally or professionally, please reach out on our social media platforms or our website, therealp3.com. Before we go, we want to thank our sponsors again, Swine Nutrition Management, NutriSign, Pig Progress, and the Sun Swine Group. Don't forget to join our Facebook, the Global Swine Professionals. And as always, if you get a chance, hug a pig for me today.